Well, my name is Andy Hermanson. Uh, for those of you here this morning uh, for the first time, I want to say a special welcome to you. Uh, we are very glad that you're here with us um, and uh, just thankful that you could join us this morning. For those of you uh, that have been coming for a long time and you have no idea who I am because I have a completely different haircut than the last time you saw me, uh, my name is Andy Hermanson and uh, I am excited to be here with you this morning. So, uh, my name is Andy and I do, I just want to start this morning, I just want to say welcome. You, uh, you could not be in a better spot this morning, amen? Amen. What good it is. And what an amazing worship team, huh? Just to knock it down like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't, I didn't even want to get up. And the KQ people in the back are saying, hey, what about us? So if we have uh, any children here, pre-K through fifth grade, that want to be a part of our Sunday school or our KQ program on Sunday morning, you can head back with the fun people back here in the corner, Miss Jody and Mr. Matt, and there's a bunch of fun people back there. So I'd love to have you uh, join them. But you are in a great place this morning, whether it's upstairs at KQ or whether it's down here. Uh, we're just absolutely excited. So, and, and what's been really funny to me this morning has been walking in with almost no hair and uh, just watch people kind of stare at me. It's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, that you kind of get used to what people look like. We all have our expectations. But some of you, I could tell by the looks on your face, you're kind of staring at me and you're a little worried. Like, what happened to him? Like, did, why did he lose all of his hair? And I just, I just, I figured I would share with you this morning because there's a reason for it. It's not just that it's summer or, or I got tired of having to spend an hour and a half doing my hair every morning because you know that's the kind of guy that I am. But, uh, but here's the thing. A few, maybe a month or two ago, I was preaching and I was talking about uh, just the battles that we're all in. And I talked about my friend, a pastor out in West Des Moines at our West Des Moines campus named Nicole, uh, my age, 32 years old, diagnosed with breast cancer just a, out of nowhere, and uh, has been fighting it like a champ, um, but decided and was first told after surgery, uh, you don't need to have any other treatment, things are going to be really great, and then two days later found out, no, actually, you have to have chemo and radiation. So uh, just a, a really tough situation, and so she had to lose all of her hair. Uh, and it was a really uh, powerful experience on Tuesday at our staff meeting where she said, you know what? Like, this isn't, I'm not going to go kicking and screaming in this. I want to celebrate the fact that God is already working in my life and, and in this community. And so at our staff meeting, we had a head-shaving party for Pastor Nicole. And if you've seen on Facebook, there's some weird-looking photos. And I had a mohawk for a little bit and stuff. But uh, it, was, it was a very powerful moment. It was a very powerful reminder for what it means for us to be the church for each other. And, uh, and as you think about that, and as we dive into talking about our healthy church and our, and our healthy prayer stuff this morning, uh, just a reminder, just to keep your eyes open. I mean, I, there are times in our life where we need to be the church for other people. Be and here's the thing, it's really important that we do that, I think, because eventually a day is going to come where we need people to be the church for us. Uh, and so just a, a good reminder, but uh, also just didn't want you to think I was crazy and I joined some radical group or something and shaved my head. So, I mean, I'm a part of a radical group. It's just called Hope Des Moines. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, so this morning we continue our Healthy Church service, and we're really excited about this, the, the Healthy Church Sermon Series. Uh, and we've been talking about lots of things. I mean, in all these areas of our spiritual life, what does it mean to be healthy, right? We talked about healthy habits last week. We talked about healthy friendships or healthy families. We've even talked about healthy faith. Well, this morning we want to talk about what does it mean, especially in this, this discipline or this practice that we're supposed to be having as a part of our regular walk with God, this, this discipline of prayer, what does it look like for it to be healthy? And I was talking with a friend this week, and he kind of articulated for me uh, put into words what I've experiencing this whole time. And, and I've ex been experiencing this a lot in my Christian faith. I mean, whenever I pick up the Bible and I read something and it's, it paints this picture of, 
of the way that God, this, this picture of life as God has created it for us, I, I begin to experience this tension. And this is what that tension uh, looks like. Um, sometimes I think there's this tension between that the way things currently are, right, and the way that things could be, right? And maybe to say it another way, a little, a little more simply, there's this tension between what is ideal and what is real. And prayer is no exception to that. I mean, if you look at our Bible passage this morning, and, and I'll put the verse up here on the screen, Ephesians chapter 6, I mean, when it comes to prayer, this is what Paul, as he's closing down his letter to the, the Ephesians, this is what he has to say to them. This is what he's encouraging them to do. Let's read this together. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. All right? Now, I don't know about you, but I have a little bit more work to do if I'm going to become that kind of person, right? Anybody in here doing great, batting a 1,000? right? Praying in the Spirit all the time on every occasion? No. If we look at that, it's part of this idea on this continuum of, of what is the ideal. And it's not just Paul in Ephesians talking about this. I mean, in 1 Thessalonians 5, it talks about, it just, there's three words, never stop praying. That's a whole Bible verse, right? And if we look at the life of Jesus, he models prayer for us. I mean, it's pretty clear. I mean, he, he gets up early to go spend time with God, and as far as I'm concerned, there's kind of two people, two types of people in the world. The people that get up early, right? And the people that wish they were the type of people that could get up early. Amen? Amen. But for Jesus, we see that it's a priority. And we see him not just, not just getting up early, but he's taking time. I mean, he's got some amazing things. I mean, his ministry is at the top of its peak. And what does he do? He leaves the crowds, you know, when most of us, we rush in to figure out how can we capture this momentum and publicize and figure out how we can keep this thing going. Jesus, that's when he, he hits the pause button and he goes to spend time with his father because for him, prayer is a priority and it's this ideal that's been given to us. But there's a reality that not all of us are there. I feel like I have a lot of work to do. I feel like I have a lot of work to do. So I thought to put this continuum into just a visual for you this morning. I just thought, you know, let's, let's look at the ideal. So take a look at this, right? When we think about the ideal prayer experience, I mean, doesn't that just look great? Like there's nothing going on. There's no storms. It's just, it, I would imagine it's quiet. Maybe it's so quiet you can't even hear any cars driving by. Maybe you can hear some birds chirping. I mean, it's just this calm, this peaceful, serene experience. I mean, there's this picture that we have of this ideal relationship with prayer that it's healthy. I mean, it's, it's vibrant. It's life-giving. That's the ideal. And then there's the real, right? There's the reality. The reality for us, some of us, at least in my house, is that it probably looks a little bit more like this, right? You have to do what you can with what you got. And I love this picture. I don't, I don't know what the dad's doing. I can't tell if he's making it worse or if he's... Uh, trying to get the kids to entertain and quiet down. But, but the reality is for us in our prayer lives, right, we're in the midst of this chaos. And there's all of these things that are competing for our time. And we experience these challenges when it comes to prayer. And one of the best ways that I've noticed that we have challenges, just as Christians in general, all of us, I mean, there's, there's all of us probably have some room to grow in prayer, is if you, I figured out very quickly in ministry leadership, if you ever want to get a group of people to quiet down and listen to you, you just ask for a volunteer to pray, right? Because everybody stops and they're like, oh, not me, I, I couldn't do that, right? And they just kind of slide out of the way and they're quiet and they're focused and because everybody's looking around like, ooh, who's going to be the bold one? Who's the one? Oh, I bet he, oh, maybe that, no, right? No, it, it never fails. <laughs> It never fails. And here's the reason why that is. 
Because I believe firmly as we look at this understanding of prayer and what does it mean to have a healthy prayer life, all of us have room to grow when it comes to prayer. All of us have obstacles to overcome when it comes to living a healthy relationship with prayer. And maybe it's the fact that we're too busy, right? That's some of us. I know that's me a lot of times is I don't make the time. You know, we say a lot of times, I don't have time, baloney. All of us are equally. Warren Buffett and you have the same amount of minutes and hours to do life, right? We're all equally wealthy in that. But do we make the time? That's part of it. But there's another part to it. Prayer is such an intimate thing for us. Maybe we don't feel that we're up for it. Maybe we don't feel like we understand how to do it. Maybe we're intimidated by prayer. Or maybe we just don't care. Maybe we just don't realize what it is that we're holding in our hands when God says that we have the power of prayer. I don't know what your prayer experience has been, but here's what I can tell you this morning. Prayer is a powerful thing. Can I get an amen? Amen, absolutely, because here's what prayer can do. Prayer can change lives. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to open up to James chapter 5, and I want to look at a passage here towards the end of that. James chapter 5. So James is writing to the believers that are scattered all over the place. And if you're wondering if prayer for you is for you, if you're wondering if prayer is something that should be a part of your life, I want to read this passage to you this morning, and I want you to get a sense of, A, what has prayer accomplished, but B, is this describing me? So I want to start in James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. James writes, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? Then you should sing praises. Are any of you sick? Then you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer is offered in faith, and it will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Prayer is a powerful thing. But here's the thing. We don't, it's not just James that's saying it. It's throughout Scripture. I mean, if we go back to Acts 2, and we look at the, the very birth of the church, when the first Christians, I mean, they first experience the Holy Spirit, when they get this taste of what is this new movement that Jesus started, and it begins to expand, and it begins to grow, the Holy Spirit comes at the day of Pentecost, and the believers, they, they dive into just being the church. And as they are being the church, there's these certain practices that come up in the book of Acts in the end of chapter 2, we get this sense, there's this little picture, this little window into their life together. And we begin to understand as we look at this that prayer isn't just a big deal. Prayer is serious business. When we fully understand who it is we're talking to, what personality, what character he has, prayer is serious business. And here's what it says at the end of Acts. All the believers devoted themselves, and this is the core practices of what it means to be the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing of meals and to prayer. Right? These are the basics. These are the fundamentals. And prayer is on the list. But it's not just something that we should do, right? I mean, we probably have all felt that. Maybe had somebody say, oh, you should pray. In fact, I think James might even say that in here. You should pray, right? But have you ever heard the advice, don't let anybody should all over you? Everyone ever told you that? That's really important, especially a preacher. Don't ever let a preacher should all over you. Let, let God invite you in to a larger story. But we've got to understand this morning that prayer is a good thing. It's not something that we just should do, but it's something that we get to do. 
And the fact is, it's what we're naturally wired up to do. In 2008, Brandeis University came out with a study. They'd, they'd done a survey of religion in America, and we're kind of trying to figure out what are the practices that, that religious people in America, not just Christians, but religious people spend their time doing. 90% of the people that completed that survey said that they pray daily. Right? And if you look at that fact, 90, I mean, that's a huge percentage. What you come to realize is maybe there's something in us that's, it's not just something we should do. But maybe there's something in us that's wired us up to be prayerful people. Maybe we're designed to connect with God. But most of the time, I think when it comes to prayer, we just don't soak it up. Right? God comes to us. And I just imagine myself as a 16-year-old kid. God comes to me and hands me the keys to a Ferrari. Right? Do you ever think about prayer like that? If I'm 16 and somebody gives me the keys to a Ferrari, I guarantee you there's not going to be a lot left on the tires when I bring it back, right? But we don't take the time to take the Ferrari, the prayer that we've been given, this amazing opportunity. We don't take the time always to take it out for a spin to see what it can really do. Prayer is serious business. But I wonder if one of the hurdles of this isn't just that sometimes maybe we take ourselves a little too seriously. I mean, have you ever heard people prayer and you're like, why are you using this completely different voice, right? Why are you using these weird words? I mean, sometimes prayer just comes, a kind of, it just comes across maybe as a little silly or a little, a little strange or, or something like that. And maybe that's one of the hurdles to it. Well, this week I came across a comedian that happened to think that very thought, that maybe when it comes to prayer, he would agree that it's a serious business, but maybe we take ourselves just a little too seriously. This guy's name is Tim Hawkins, and I think he's hilarious. Let's take a look. I think the way we pray is, it, prayer, is a, prayer is a powerful thing, but I think it's when you grow up in church, it's just you hear prayers all the time in different styles and stuff, and little quirks that people have when they pray. I don't know, little phrases that I don't understand to this day. But we use the phrases, but we, that's just what we heard growing up. We think that's just the right thing to say. When we pray, you know, like hedge of protection. You ever hear that? Hear that a lot. Hedge of protection. Damn, we are praying a hedge of protection around you, buddy. That's right, a hedge mm-hmm. around you and your whole family. A hedge, huh? I don't mean to complain. Is that the best you can do? How about a thick cement wall around with some razor wire on top of that bad boy? Get a good set of clippers, get right through that thing. I'm sure the devil's got a set of those. I mean, you think a hedge is going to scare the devil away? What is this greenery? I can't get through that. Move that bush. My greatest weakness is landscaping. How do they know? The worst prayers, they got to be the prayers that parents pray with their kids. No wonder they don't want to go to bed at night. My parents used to pray this with me in the dark when I was a kid. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord myself to give.
before I wake, I pray the Lord, my shell. Sweet dreams. <laughs> So maybe your parents didn't quite pray it exactly like that. But, but you see what he's getting at, right? There's, there's a chance that this, this idea, the language you use, I mean, prayer, it's, it's an unnatural, I mean, it's an uncommon thing. And yet within us, there's this deep longing to be connected to God, right? When we're in these moments of weakness, just to be able to call out, to reach out, to know that there's something bigger. So maybe the silliness or, or the complications of it, maybe that's not the hurdle for you this morning, but what is? What is it that gets in the way from living this ideal, this, this just beautiful, this deep, this rich, this satisfying prayer life? And more importantly, the question that I would want to ask you this morning is, what, what do you think it looks like? I mean, what does it mean to have a healthy prayer life? Now, if we're going to talk about what healthy prayer is this morning, then we should probably first start by talking about what it's not, right? That would be a good thing. And so this morning, I want to kind of just jump in here, and I want to give you three things that healthy prayer is not. And these are misconceptions. They're kind of myths that sometimes we get in our head, and, and maybe we pass along, or we just, we just swallow wholeheartedly, just not even thinking about it. But I, I really want to dive in and just look at a few of these really quickly. Number one is healthy, healthy prayer is not a formula. I will just say that again. Healthy prayer is not a formula. Healthy prayer doesn't have this idea that, that prayer is a transaction. He healthy prayer does not turn God into a vending machine, right? Where there's this kind of sequence and you put these certain words together, you say these things, or you really mean it, right? You have to, you have to do something uh, on your own terms that, that turns it into you get the result that you want, Here's the problem with thinking that prayer could be a formula is that prayer quickly boils down to this idea that God can be controlled. Have you ever met God and told him, God, here's my plan, and God just does something completely different? I mean, God, God does what he wants. He's the king. He's the one who's in charge. And so this idea that we can control him, it, it couldn't be farther from the truth. And this verse in Matthew, as Jesus is teaching on prayer, I think it makes a lot of sense. Jesus is talking to his disciples as part of the Sermon on the Mount, and he's talking about those other religions that people are seeing around them. There's people that just pray, and they pray, and they pray, and they pray. And Jesus is saying, don't be like those other people. They think that their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Prayer is not a formula. Healthy prayer is not a magic spell that we do, that we put on God. All right, so that's the first one. The second one, one of, one of the more important ones, and I see this all the time when I, when I hang out with people and, and kind of in Christian circles, healthy prayer is not only for the spiritual, right, the extremely spiritual or those people that we would consider the super Christians. First of all, that category, this idea of being a, a super Christian, I mean, it doesn't even exist. Here's the, here's, here's the deal. As you grow in your faith, as I spend more time in uh, conversation and in prayer with God, and the more time that I study the Bible, to be honest with you, the more I realize how broken I am, how much more I have to learn, how, how much greater God is and how inconsistent and how weak sometimes that I can be. This idea of a super Christian, if you ask them, like, man, do you just feel like you're amazing? They're going to say, I can't believe that God just keeps me going. I can't believe that God 
keeps, saves me from myself, points out the mistakes that I'm about to make. Super Christians, those people that we perceive as that, they, they could not be more anything different than that. And again, I go back to James 5 as he's talking about it. I just, there's a couple examples in here I think that are worth pointing out, and I'll just read this to you as he's continuing. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So he's talking about, he's talking about the power and, and the fact that prayer is serious business, that it's a big deal. But then in verse 17 of chapter 5, he goes into this example of Elijah. And he says, Elijah, who, who's the prophet from the Old Testament, was a human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again and the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. And you may be saying that, and it says in there, you know, that he was a human, right? And, but you may be thinking, well, yeah, but he was one of those, you know, he knew what he was doing. I mean, he was a pro- I mean, he's in the Bible. Now, the thing is that Elijah was a prophet. But if we get an understanding of what it means to be a prophet, if we get an understanding of the way that God has wired all of us, Elijah was just living into his gifting. I mean, Ephesians chapter 4 talks about that as we look at the church, the Holy Spirit, God has given some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists. Some, I mean, there's this way that's all wired within us. I mean, Elijah was just doing what he does. God just happened to need something to get Israel's attention at the time, and so Elijah was in the right place at the right time. But he's no different than you and I. He's got some cool stories to tell, but he's, he's no different than you and I. And the other example of this that just comes to mind that I just think is worth sharing this morning is, again, I go back to the church when it first started in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4, verse 13, hands down one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and, and here's what's going on. So they've been breaking the bread and doing the prayer and meeting in homes and doing all that kind of stuff, but they've been, they've been taking it out to the streets, right? Wherever they are, they're bringing prayer, they're bringing God, they're bringing this movement with them. And so as Peter and John are out, they come across this guy in the temple courts, and they pray for him, and they heal him. And the thing is that there's a, quite a buzz going on around this, and the authorities are starting to get really frustrated with it, and they're like, we gotta, we got to get these guys off the streets. Like, we got to arrest. So they arrest them, and they go, and they put them in front of the, in the, the judge, in the courtroom, and God gives them the words to speak. And there's a great passage in here that talks about not just what they said or even how they said it, but Luke, the author of the book of Acts, chooses to record this observation that they made with them. This is what it says in Acts 4.13, and wouldn't this be true of us? It's my prayer this morning. It says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. This is what healthy prayer does. I mean, it, it, it changes us to the point where people just, I love, there's a different, the NIV takes a translation, they say, and they took note that those men had been with Jesus. Which men? Ordinary men. People like you and me and everybody else. Normal human beings. So this idea that prayer is something, I mean, God can only use my prayers if I'm this super devoted, super church attending, super Bible reading person. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. When Jesus gets down to it, he talks about faith. 
He talks about acknowledging the fact that you cannot have it all together and you need God's help. So first, I said healthy prayer is not a formula. Second, healthy prayer is not for super Christians or whatever we want to call them, right? The third thing I want to let you know this morning is that healthy prayer is not only for when things are going well. Now, prayer is really helpful and important when things are not going well. Don't don't misunderstand me this morning. But here's the thing is sometimes we only limit to that. Sometimes we only have half of a conversation with God, right? Let me ask you this morning, when something amazing happens to you, what, what do you do? Right? You tell people. Like we have a great meal at a restaurant or maybe we have a good conversation to catch up with a friend. Maybe somebody does a nice gesture. I mean, it's fun to be able to share those things. And there's constant reminders in the scriptures to be thankful, to give thanks and to give credit where credit is due, to celebrate, but just to go to God when amazing things happen and tells them, and as, as I've been thinking about that, I, there's a lot of moments in my life <clears throat> where I went to God and just said, thank you, sometimes because it was so amazing, sometimes because, frankly, I was just surprised. And, and one of those moments was uh, a, a while back, it was probably seven, well, eight or nine years ago, I have to be careful here because I want to make sure I get these details right, because it was this time in my life where this girl from Minnesota that I happen to be very fond of, I kind of felt like maybe it was time to, you know, say, hey, maybe we should, maybe we should make this official, you know, maybe, maybe we should get married. And, uh, and so this, this time came and, and I had this elaborate plan and, and we decided to go on this trip. My wife, soon to be my wife, Heather, and I went on this trip to Colorado and we're, I had the whole thing figured out, right? I just was, I was, I was all prepared and I had the plan. We were going to go up on this mountaintop and at the ski resort in Colorado. It was the middle of the wintertime and that's what we love to spend our time doing. Uh, and, and I had this ring, you know, because I thought, man, that'd be a really good thing to show up with if I'm going to propose for marriage. Uh, and I had the whole plan and I even managed to get her to turn around and look the other dire- the direction so I could <clears throat> take a photo of her looking out over all of these mountaintops. And when she turned around, there I was on one knee, and I said, and by the way, in this moment, as I asked this question, right, I mean, my heart is about ready to explode out of my chest, because even though, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, this is a pretty safe deal, like, there's always this chance, right, that she could just say, no way, and there I am, stuck in the mountains, and with this ring, and what am I going to do, right? So I asked her the question, and she goes, of course, of course, and I just went, yeah, and it echoed off all the mountains, you know. Because I was so excited. Now, after, after that moment, what do you think we did? Right? We went down the mountain, and we got in the car, and we went out to eat, and we just celebrated. And it didn't take more than about two minutes for my wife to pick up the cell phone and just start calling everybody that she knew. And after a while, I was like, hey, you know, you could put the phone down and you could hang out with me. I'm still here, you know. But, but she, was, she was so excited and so was I because this amazing thing happened. Why? Why would it be any different with God? Right? If he's there, if he's in our presence, if he's in the midst, why would it be any different? What does it look like to move beyond just dialing God in when we're in a panic? So again, healthy prayer is not only for when things are going wrong. So enough about what healthy prayer is not. What is healthy prayer, right? I mean, what does it look like? That's, that's why we're here this morning. So if this is what healthy prayer isn't, let me tell you what it is. Healthy prayer is prayer that moves beyond the how, worrying about the how 
and getting to know the who. I just want to say that one more time because it's kind of a, a complex statement there. But healthy prayer is prayer that moves beyond worrying about the how or the what. The how or the what. Those are the things that continue to trip us up and they're important things. But healthy prayer is about moving beyond the how or the what and getting to know and pouring your heart out to the who. So there's this, this scene in Luke chapter 11 is, as Jesus is spending with his disciples. You can tell they're, they're in this mindset. They, they go where most of us go when we're learning how to pray. They say, Jesus, teach us how to pray, right? They want the details. They want the nuts and bolts. And, and part of what they're missing in that is, is this whole other invitation that God has for them. And there's another, another point I, I can just imagine is Jesus is giving his Sermon on the Mount as it comes to the end. Jesus can begin to see this look as he's talking about all of these situations, some of them really exciting, these incredible things that are going to happen as part of the kingdom, but also some of the dangers, the persecution that they're going to face. I'm sure Jesus can just read the stress on their face. And I'm sure he just looks at them and he just thinks, you know, I need to teach them about prayer and fasting. And so that's exactly what he does in Matthew chapter 6. And if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you just to flip open. It's page 737. And as Jesus begins to teach about prayer, there's just a couple things that happen. And I think very quickly, if you look at the first two kind of blocks of the Lord's Prayer, and we pray it all the time, but sometimes we just kind of get in this routine and we don't think about um, all the details. We don't think about what it is we're actually saying. I just want to point out here what Jesus is really teaching his disciples. He's teaching them how to pray, but if you look at the first part, he's teaching them who to pray to. So I'm at the top of page 737. This is Matthew chapter 6. He starts out, he says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he gets in to the ask. He gets into asking for these things that we need, these requests that we have. Give us today the food that we need. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And in our traditional prayers here that we do with communion and everything else, we add some other stuff to it. But this is the base of what Jesus is praying. And I want to look at that first phrase this morning, because I think it's really important. He says, Jesus doesn't start by just saying, oh, oh, distant God right? Oh, random stranger that's in another universe. No, Jesus says, our Father in heaven. Jesus addresses God as a Father, and I think this is really important that we understand. And again, we'll celebrate it, and John's going to take it even further next week on Father's Day. <clears throat> but as we understand what healthy prayer is, we understand it's about the relationship that we have that Jesus had with his father, because he's got a special relationship with him. I mean, I mean, Jesus, God shows up at Jesus' baptism. He says, this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. He sneaks away to be with him. In fact, Jesus hangs on every word that his father has for him. <clears throat> and he finds this valuable because of who his father is, of who his father is. And in Matthew 6, a little bit later on, he says, he says that the father knows exactly what you need before you even ask him. It says, uh, he also talks about the fact that he's a provider, right? He gives to us. I mean, this is, this is this father 
image that we have. And I know some of us have different stories of our fathers and, and we don't understand, but um, in Matthew chapter 7, I want to read this passage to you because I just think as you pray and as we pray, sometimes I don't think that we just really focus in and we have a healthy understanding of not just who we're praying to, but what sort of person he is. And I love what Jesus does in Matthew chapter 7 as he just relates it back to us as parents, right? This is what he says, and I'm going to start in verse 9. He says, you parents, if you ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? I mean, I've thought about it with my kids, but I've never done that, right? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not, Jesus says. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who love him? Jesus has a Father in heaven. He's crystal clear on this. There's no questioning him. He understands that this Father loves him. Because even we try and do it, and, and we get it right most of the time. But Jesus, his Father, takes it to a whole new level. And when we understand this in our prayer, I think it takes it to a whole new level. And the other thing is that that God just loves us unconditionally. This father that we pray into, this, this father that Jesus is addressing and as he's teaching his disciples, this healthy understanding of this father. It's a father's love that's rooted in unconditional love. Now, at the beginning of the sermon, you saw I had that picture of the woman trying to do the yoga pose, right? And that's, that's probably that woman's chaos at home. Let me show you my chaos that I have at home. It's these people right here. And I left the youngest one, Violet, out of it because she still is just... She's amazing, right? She crawls around a little bit, and she may do her thing. She may squeal occasionally from time to time. But it's these two in my household that you have to watch. And let me just tell you, I could not be more blessed as a parent, right? I mean, Gwyneth in the purple there, she's, she's my oldest. Uh, yesterday, she just kind of saw, and she could tell I was working on my sermon. She just came up to me and started rubbing my back, saying, like, it's OK, Daddy. And she's, she's turning into this little mini adult. She goes, can I go get you a glass of water? Do you need something to drink, you know? And I'm like, you're four. How? That's amazing. Thank you for doing that, right? But these kids, they just crack me up, too. I mean, they tell the funniest jokes because they make absolutely no sense, right? And they're so innocent. My, my daughter, she loves to make cards for all of our neighbors. She loves to do all these things for people, but sometimes she forgets that they need stamps, and so she puts them in the mailbox because she wrote, like, somebody's name in it, the first name, and just threw it in the mailbox. And I'm sure the mail carriers are like, what? what is this, right? But that's just who my kids are. They're amazing, and they are so much fun to be around. But let me just tell you, there are moments where I just, I just think, how am I going to make it, right? The people that love us the most or we love the most also have the ability to probably push our buttons the most. Am I right about that? Absolutely, absolutely. And so there are these different times where uh, I just feel like these kids, they can just drive me crazy. And it's just, I mean, the phrase that's been coming out of my mouth the most lately that I just, I never thought I would say this. Uh, I, it's, it's, I, I've said this to both of, of these two on the screen. About Violet, I have to say, she's not a toy. She's your sister, right? All right? Callan, come back. Stay out of the neighbor's garage. No, you can't just go into the... I mean, just all of these things I find my, myself in, it, and it's challenging, right? Just last night, Gwyneth was going to give me a hug, and she's, my kids have a little bit of energy, and she jumped up, and, and I was reaching down to hug her, and she jumped up, and her forehead just went... I mean, if you come look at me this morning, I have a bloody lip, because my, my oldest child just loves me that much. 
And if the moment right after that happened, if you'd caught me and you said, so what do you think of your kids? I would have been like, uh, you know, I may have hesitated. But when, when reality comes back in, and when I think about these kids, right, there's nothing, there's nothing that they can do that will make me think any less of them. There's nothing that they can do. And that's exactly who God is as our Father as well. And so I just want to read you a little bit out of Romans 8 because, and I would just encourage you to close your eyes and just drink this in this morning. I don't know what it is that you've walked in here with this morning, but again, as we think about praying to a father, I want you just to hear these words and to let this soak not just into your head, but into your heart. This is what Paul says. He says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. That's a profound statement. When you pray, when you ask God in those moments of need for help, is that the kind of father that you're praying to? And it's not just that uh, we're praying to our father, but the very next line in that prayer, Jesus he, talks, he addresses the fact that our father also happens to be the king. So not only are we God's kids, right, but our, our, our dad also happens to have unlimited resources and power. I mean, the authority that comes with being a king. It's pretty amazing. And as I look at this, I'm pretty sure that the Apostle Paul, is, as he was writing to the Ephesians, I'm pretty sure that he was well aware of what, what it was like to have a king as our Father. There you go. My bookmarks are floating away. All right, but he begins to read this, and this is the prayer that he prays. He says, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. Right, and he goes on and on, and he talks about all the things that God has done for us. But I just imagine Paul, as he's praying this prayer, he just gets more and more excited as he goes. And finally he says, now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever ask or imagine. I love that phrase in there, the God who is able. What is it that God is able to do in your life? And I go back and I look at the rest of that Lord's Prayer. God is able to provide, right? God is able to forgive sins. God is able to lead us, keep us out of trouble. God is able to deliver us, to rescue us. God is able to change our hearts. God is able to raise the dead. And the thing is that God's able to do all of those things today. We have a father who also happens to be a king. And Hebrews 10 talks about this fact that because of what Jesus has done, we can go to him. So where is it that we start? What is it that this looks like? Where is it that we start? I mean, maybe we start this morning by allowing somebody to pray for us. I mean, that's why we have a, a prayer team, and they're going to be up here after the service, right? Maybe it starts with us choosing to be honest with God, right? Learning how to pray, and that's why we're doing this prayer training. It might also start with us lifting others up, and that's why we're looking for people to be a part of this care and prayer team, because prayer is serious business. It's powerful stuff. But wherever you start, it definitely takes, involves taking the time to remember whose kids we are and the power that is ours in this Ferrari, right? Taking the Ferrari off for a spin in this thing of prayer. So as I was thinking this week, I mean, what's an image that captures this? 
I had a friend that I was talking to, and, and he mentioned this movie, and I'd never seen it before, but it's a movie called The Bear. And it's like a couple hours, and there's hardly any dialogue, and it's all about these bears, right? Sounds like a gripping film, doesn't it? Right? And so there, there's this thing is there's a mom and a cub, and the mom ends up getting killed by hunters or she dies or something like that. And so this baby cub is all on his own. As he's wandering through the wilderness, kind of checking things out, eventually these hunters are kind of after him. But this, this baby cub finds this gigantic, ginormous Kodiak bear who kind of takes him under his wing, kind of teaches him how to survive and how to be a part of it. And, and towards the end of the film, when things are kind of coming to a close, the, the bear, the, the cub, and this massive Kodiak bear, they get separated. And there's an enemy that's been tracking this baby cub for a long time. And he finally sees that it's his time to prey on this poor little guy. As you watch this, and I know I've been talking about healthy prayer, and I've been reading a lot of scriptures this morning just to kind of get this in our heads. But as you watch this clip, I just want you to think about where are the moments in my life where I've experienced this kind of prayer, right? Not just, oh, God, if you think about it, could you do this? But where you understand and you feel this experience where prayer, prayer ends up calling in the Marines. That is who God is. Take a look at this and see if God has anything to say to you this morning about a healthy prayer life. I know the sound effects are a little off and I know it's a little, a little cheesy there at the end, but I'll tell you, uh, the first time that I saw that clip, I mean, it, it hit me pretty hard actually. I mean, and especially as I think about my friend Nicole and uh, just the situation she's in where, I mean, she's just got this huge barrier to overcome in cancer, right? And we get in those moments and we just say, God, if you could, would you help? And, and that bear is in that moment and yet there is this animal, this ferocious beast, this, in biblical terms, this king that's come to save the day. I mean, isn't that what it looks like for us to be in healthy prayer together? Would you stand with me this morning? I mean, what does it look like for us not to go to ourselves when things get tough, but to be the kind of people that, that God's talking about, that Paul is writing about in Philippians, right? When he says, do not worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. I mean, tell, tell God what's going on and, and he'll take it. So I just wanted to give you just a moment this morning as we close out this worship set and head our ways this morning, just, just to be honest about what's on your heart for prayer. What is it that, that God's saying to you? What is it that where he wants to meet you this morning? Let's pray. God, Lord, we say thank you for this. Lord, just for this moment of God being in your presence, understanding that, that you are able. God, you're able to change our lives. God, you're able to heal us. You're able to forgive us and you're able to bring us back from the dead. God, would you help us to be people of healthy prayer? Lord, would you give us a moment here just to worship you as our King? In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen.